Okay, okay, okay. Welcome to New Life Friday Night. I'm Daniel Grothy. I didn't introduce myself. If you're new, we are thrilled to have you. A few announcements. Just settle in for a bit. I want to tell you a couple little stories of what's been going on. One, we just had the Desperation Conference this last week. Year number 22, 22 years. I was 18 when we started the Desperation Conference. Year number 22, and we had 2,200 kids register from all around the country, and they came here for three days to pray and to worship and to have so much fun and to seek the Lord and to hear from the Lord. And any of you who went to like a great summer camp or had some kind of an experience, maybe even younger at a vacation Bible school, and the Lord grabbed your heart, we watched that happen all over this campus this week. And so uh, a lady came up here in the congregation last week uh, before the service and she said, the Lord spoke to me to scholarship 50 kids and she scholarshiped 50 kids. And so just every, I just want to say it was a whole church buy-in and many of you volunteered, many of you served, many of you sent your kids, many of you scholarship. And I just want to say praise be to God for the way he grabbed these kids' hearts. Amen. The second thing, and this is just a total throwaway comment, but I was not supposed to speak on Sunday. Uh, We had a guest speaker coming, but the guest speaker got sick, so now I'm speaking on Sunday. So I'm speaking the sermon that I preached last week, okay? The necessity of play that I did here, I'm doing it on Sunday. So if you double dip and come on Sundays, don't give me any attitude on Sunday. I don't want to hear it. It wasn't in my calendar. We're all kind of thinking on our feet here. Settle down. All right, third thing. Tim Kamasta, would you please come here? This is the Tim Kamasta. I want to celebrate Tim. Come on, Tim. Come on, bro. Okay, so Tim, Tim has been on our life safety team here at New Life for just ever. And I went to college with his son. Tim and Kathy are incredible. And Tim this week, I wrote it down because I want to say it right. Tim was awarded the American Academy of Physicians Associates, the Military Service Award throughout the nation. The Military Service Award right here for thee. Yeah, give it up. Come on. Give it up for Tim. So... They don't make them like Tim. Okay, so here's what happens. Here's what happens. We live in a military community. We have more military installations than any city in America, four of them, and we've got soldiers coming from all over the world back home here with traumatic brain injuries, and Tim is a specialist with TBIs, and so he's helping these soldiers find their way back home, settle back in, get counseling, get all the care that they need, and this is kingdom of God, holy work. So one more time for the Tim Tomasta. Love you. Love you. <laughs> Yes, I love celebrating our people here in this beautiful congregation. We are just, it's an embarrassment of riches here in this congregation. So when we get a chance to celebrate, we're going to do that. The final thing is today, this is, dates matter to me. I'm a date guy, you know, birthdays and anniversaries and whatever. July 14th, this today is beginning of our 19th year here at New Life Church. We drove into town, yes. We drove into town 19 years ago today to our little apartment. Lisa had never seen the apartment. I came and scouted it, kind of sight unseen. I was nervous out of my mind to bring my new wife to an apartment she'd never seen with her parents there and my parents there. It was just, I was ready to be crushed, right? 
if she was crushed. So we pull up, she likes the place, and we settle in, and I went, we drove by the apartment this morning and just reminisced. And so we want to say thank God for Colorado Springs. Thank God for New Life Church. Thank God for having us. Every time I, I, I preach, there's an 85-year-old guy here in the congregation, and I walk off the stage, and he'll come up to me in the lobby. He'll go, you know, I think we'll keep you another week, young man. <laughs> and so thanks for keeping me several weeks in a row. Uh, thrilled to be here. If you have your Bibles uh, you can turn to 2 Corinthians 10. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. It'll be on the screen. I'm going to read two verses out of 2 Corinthians 10. And tonight, here's the little setup. Last week, we talked about the necessity of play. And tonight, we're going to talk about the necessity of prayer. And I want to say tonight, we're going to spend our time talking about preserving our humanity and preserving our sanity in a world that's losing its mind. Preserving our humanity and preserving our sanity in a world that's lost its mind. So hear the word of the Lord out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. I'll read it, and then we'll pray, and we'll jump in. Paul says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not physical. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And then I want you to see this. He says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity. Say captivity. captivity. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let me read it back to you once more. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse five, casting down arguments and every high thing that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we're here again. We're back. We're back because we think you're good. We're back because we think you have something to say. We're back because we think being in the presence of God with the people of God changes everything. And so tonight, as we've worshiped and we've come into your presence, we feel you. We know you're here. We've exalted you, Lord. We've lifted you high. We've praised your name. We've said glory and honor and praise to your name. But now, Lord, we open the scriptures and we need you to get really clear with us. We need you to speak to us. We need you to challenge us. We need you to change us. We need you to encourage us. Lord, let your word thunder in this place tonight. May the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. It's a wild world that we're living in. Some of you, uh, you go to work and it's wild and you're, you're negotiating contracts and you get on the phone with people who are hot and they're just giving it to you and you had nothing to do with it but you have to receive the full force of their energy. I'm looking at medical professionals here in the room. Who you, you, the people that you're serving, you're there and very often the people that come into your office, it's their worst day. 
They don't want to be there any more than you want them to be there. And it's just heartbreaking all around. And, and they're not trying to be, but you just feel the full force of their energy. We're living in a wild world. That's on the interpersonal side. We're, we're geopolitical. I mean, just open the newspaper. Look online and tell me we're not living in a wild world. Politically, here in our own nation, it's just a, it's a crazy moment. We're living in a wild world. How do we preserve our humanity and our sanity. Last week we talked about the necessity of play. This week we're talking about the necessity of prayer. How do we make it through the long years of life and get to the end like Don and Shirley? Simple, holy, wise, faithful, great relationships, character, honorable reputation. They've been wise with their stewardship. They've been generous with everyone. They've Just saints. How do we get to this stage of life with our humanity and our sanity intact. Yes, you're gonna have to learn how to play, but you're also gonna have to learn how to pray. And as you scan the Christian tradition, you discover the centrality of the practice of silence in prayer. Now let's just take a minute and listen to the most gorgeous sound of silence. Some of you are uncomfortable. Some of you moms of littles are about to have a conniption fit. Just you quicken in the Holy Spirit, just slain. How often do we get this holy space? How often do we get the gift of silence? And as you read the saints throughout the years, throughout church history, they're gonna say, look, if you're gonna preserve your humanity and your sanity and live a long obedience in the same direction as Eugene Peterson put it, you're going to have to regularly enter into the gift of holy silence to reset, to get your soul back, to get your composure back, to get your joy back, to sort of receive God's peace be still in the middle of a storm. Last week, I said, if you're gonna have to make it, you're gonna have to learn how to play. This week, I want to say, you're gonna have to learn how to pray. So three phases of entering into silence, three phases of learning to enter into the contemplative life. This is not meant to be a linear formula, but in general, I wanna give you three kind of uh, maybe circular principles, dimensions of a contemplative life, dimensions of a prayerful life, dimensions of a life that's rooted in, in the gift of God's holy silence, out of which you can rise and go into the noisy world to be the Jesus peace be still in the storm. Three dimensions of a contemplative life. The first thing I wanna say to you tonight is that you have to learn how to quiet the mind. Quieting the mind. We're very often carrying internal chaos, uh, anger. Because you have the job that puts you in front of people and the full force of their energy and you just bear that all day, you bear that all day, you bear that all day and then finally something stacks up inside of you and you find yourself lashing out. I, I, this happens to me from time to time in my job. I'll go from a very sort of uh, difficult uh, meeting with a congregant and then I'll go into a hospital where there's heartbreak and then I'll have to go officiate a funeral and then I go home and I try to sit at the dinner table with my people and I'm not just a great hang. I'm just not a great hang. Lisa's like, why don't you go eat in the backyard? <laughs> <laughs> 
just want to give you your space. Just, just go ahead. Be blessed. Because Lisa has a lisp, you know? Just kidding. You know, I don't want to hog all of your time. Why don't you go out into the nature with God? Very often, the, the, the thing that gets us with a busy mind is the internal tapes that we play, the failures that we've had, the things that we have done that have hurt other people, and the enemy comes in with shame and with guilt and with condemnation. And so we're, we're trying to, we're living with these old tapes of the stupid thing. If I just, dang it, why did I just, ah. And so we, we have this interpersonal conflict coming at us, and, and then we have our own failures that are playing as tapes in our head, fixating on our failures and grabbing hold of offenses from things that other people have done to us. And, and we very often have roving minds. And, and again, that's not bad. Like Megan Marshman spoke this week at Despo and it was a brilliant talk to the young kids on in the place of prayer. Sometimes your mind does wander and the enemy wants you to, to beat yourself up. But actually maybe sometimes it's the Holy Spirit taking you down a road so you can think to pray for that. Like, like having a busy mind is not always a bad thing, but sometimes Sometimes we can have a roving mind. And Paul says you need to learn how to take certain thoughts captive. All these things are trying to exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. He says, casting down every vain imagination and every high thing that exalts itself and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Sometimes we're able by the power of the Spirit to get our roving minds anchored and rooted and under control. And the saints of old said, if you're gonna live a contemplative life, if you're gonna live a meaningful life of prayer, you've got to learn how to quiet your mind. How do we bring these thoughts into captivity? I'll say it this way. Cultivate the practice of praying breath prayers all day long. Breath prayers. Any of you ever heard of this, right? What's a breath prayer? Help. What's a breath prayer? Have mercy. I need you. God. Have mercy. A breath prayer. There, here's an example, some examples of breath prayers. Throughout the ages, uh, there's a prayer that's become known as the Jesus prayer. And the Jesus prayer goes like this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Just throughout your day, as you're finding yourself frustrated, as you're finding yourself angry, as you're finding yourself... Uh, mad at yourself for the stupid things you've done or the, the, the sideways comment that you said to that person that stung them and then you walked away. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. When you don't know what to pray, say the name of Jesus. I, I mean, I'm in a thousand situations on a thousand different days and I have no idea what to do. I've been in hospital rooms where I had no idea what to say. I've been in funeral homes where I had no clue what should happen next. And when you're pressed up against the wall and you've got nothing, call on the name that is above every name. The name at which every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I've, I've, I, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then something breaks open. Breath prayers. 
Paul says, pray without ceasing. And we think we've got to be holed up in the prayer room for 24 hours. Like, like we could do that our whole lives and never leave that place of prayer. Most of us can't do that. But what we can do is we can pray all day these little breath prayers that we shoot to heaven and we call on the grace of God to help us. Another example of a breath prayer is from John Cassian, 360 AD, a great saint. He, he made famous this prayer, oh God, make speed to save me, oh Lord, make haste to help me. You get bad news, oh God, make speed to save me. Oh God, hurry, come God, please help me, Lord. Oh God, make speed to save me, oh Lord, make haste to help me breath prayer that you can tuck away. Another, another breath prayer would be David in Psalm 51. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. God, help me, renew me, wash me, cleanse me, make me holy. Breath prayers all day long. And what happens is you're bringing your mind into quietude. You're finding your composure. You're taking every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Some other examples, mercy, Hosanna, which means save now. Help me, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. The ancient saints, the Latin saints would say, Veni Sancte Spiritus. Veni Sancte Spiritus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And tell me if the atmosphere doesn't change if you live a life of breath prayers all day long. This is one of the ways we pray without ceasing. Evagrius, again, Old dude, gone a long, long time ago, but he was talking about these breath prayers. And he says, the quiet repetition of these phrases should gradually replace the obsessive chewing on the afflictive thoughts. Isn't that gorgeous? The obsessive chewing on the afflictive thoughts. That's what... The stupid thing that happens and what happens is that evil thing or that dark thing or that scary thing just lodges itself in our minds and our mind just goes to chewing on it all day long. And, and, and the kids are wanting to play and I can't play. Why? Because the devil got a hold of me. I can't enjoy my life. I can't throw the football. Why? You're sitting on the couch, dad. Why can't you do that? And Evagrius says the quiet repetition, oh God, have mercy, God, have mercy, God, oh, come Holy Spirit, heal me, heal me, have mercy, fill me, touch me, Lord. I pray that you renew me, Lord. The quiet repetition of these little phrases helps us stop chewing on the afflictive thoughts. The first phase is quieting the mind. The second phase that I want to put in front of you, the three phases to living a contemplative life is Deepening the concentration, learning to deepen the concentration. Now, I am the proudest son of Tulsa, Oklahoma, of the word of faith, Pentecostal, charismatic hub of the universe. I've told you we call it Tulsa Jerusalem, you know, and just everyone makes pilgrimage to Tulsa. You know, you all, you all know what I'm talking about, Tulsa. Tulsa, great place, and all the great speakers and preachers came through of that sort of uh, generation and that uh, genre, that, that kind of category of Christianity. And I love that, and I learned so much, and faith, and I grew up going to Brother Hagen's camp, uh, camp meetings and I, I, I would get to go to Oral Roberts home like I would go swim in his pool like my dad used to lead worship at his uh, crusades and like I, I, I'm a proud son of that generation and of that world and I, and I cherish the heritage that I was given. One of the things 
that I sort of picked up on. I don't know if this was explicitly taught, but one of the things that I picked up on, maybe it was just a feeling, is that when you're going through difficulty and when there's a fight in the spirit, what you have to do is you have to power up, right? And I pray in the spirit. I pray in tongues. I pray in the spirit every day, unapologetically. Some of you are like, whoa, it was a great run here at New Life. I'm gone. (laughs) I'm that guy, you know, take it or leave it. That's what you're working with, okay? And, and, I, and I love that. And, and, and I'm built up on my most holy faith as I pray in the spirit. And very often I get interpretation. And, I, and the Holy Spirit gives me creative ideas. Fantastic, right? But powering up is not always the only play. It's not always the right play. It's not, it, sometimes you have to quiet the mind and you have to deepen the concentration and you have to settle in and you have to wait on the Be strong and take heart. And yes, wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength and they'll mount up on wings like eagles and they'll run and not be weary and they'll walk and not be faint. God, I wait on you. I need you, Lord. I'm desperate for your direction. I'm desperate for your wisdom. I'm I'm desperate for your comfort and I don't know what to do. And, I wait. and if we're just shouting against the territorial spirits and we're calling down, and what happens is you actually kind of lose your peace. Sometimes you do need to power up and go for it. I'm that guy. I'm also the guy who knows when to get quiet in the presence of God. Because sometimes you can only hear the still small voice when you're quiet. Elijah's the prophet who went out and he was looking for God in the storm. He was looking for God in the fire. He was looking for God in the wind and it says he was not there. But in the still small voice, Elijah heard God's direction in the most tumultuous time in his life. And I'm here to tell you today, if that play is not in your playbook, you're you're gonna live a pretty vexed spiritual life. You've got to learn how to quiet the mind. You've got to learn how to deepen the concentration in the place of prayer. And every saint and sage that I know that has grown wise in the life of prayer has grown increasingly quieter through the years. It doesn't mean that they're just like changed to be this like, you know, introvert who won't look people. No, no, no. Very engaging, engaging with the world and, and telling stories. But, but when it comes to the place of learning to hear God, every saint and every sage that I've watched tip over into their 80s, 85, 90. They're the ones who learn how to settle themselves and compose themselves and deepen their concentration in prayer. And they live beautiful, fruitful lives into their latter years. Quieting the mind, deepening the concentration. And I'll ask this question, have you learned how to focus on a target in prayer? We've got a thousand things that are going wrong. There's, there's, there's global things that are going wrong. There's national things that are going wrong. There's, there's relational things that are going wrong. There's interior stuff that's going wrong. All of us have things that are going wrong. But have you learned how to sort of focus yourself on a target in prayer? I want to put this idea in front of you tonight. I only had this idea just before the service. But I want to, I want to draw. I'm a terrible artist, so just forgive me in advance. Is that okay? Is that okay? You guys know what I'm doing here? Okay, 
little heart. There's a, there's a story in my life. You know, I know some of you think that I don't have anybody that hates me, but I've got, I think I can think of maybe two or three people. I'm sure there's a hundred more, <laughs> but I can, think of, I can think of two or three people that hate me. They, they, they live just, when I come to mind, they furrow the brow, they you know, curse the heavens, whatever. And enough about Lisa. But um, it, it, we're, we're gonna be fine, we're working on it. But just a few. <laughs> uh, son of a gun. <laughs> but. There's this one guy who's been very clear that besides Lisa, he's number two. He's right there. And like, will light me up at all hours of the night. Like I'll be asleep at 2 a.m. and I'll, I'll hear something and I'll wake up and I'll look and he's F-bombing my family and just like, just going for it. And grotesque. Like, and I've been long suffering like I'm gonna, I'm not gonna block him. I'm not, I've never blocked anyone. I'm not gonna block him. I'm not gonna block him. I'm not gonna block. I don't block people. And after a couple years of it, and it's late at night, and he's probably drunk most of the time, but he just he loses his filter a few drinks in, and just tells me what he thinks about me. And finally, after a couple years of it, I I, I blocked him. And and it gave me some, you know, it was probably monthly. It wasn't all the time, but you know, twelve times a year, getting that kind of energy, that's enough, you know. And it got quiet for a while, but then the thought just kind of came back. You know how those memories just arise? They just show up when they show up. And I was on a plane a couple weeks ago, and just the, I, like my emotions just washed over me with the memories of the things that he said to me and about my people. And I just felt like the Lord created an invitation. I'm on the plane, my phone doesn't work. God speaks at 35,000 feet because we aren't distracted. And I'm sitting there and I felt like the Lord gave me a picture of a heart. And he said, I wanna invite you to see if you wanna put him inside of my heart. Do you, it's just like the Lord gave me, you wanna put him in my heart right now? And so I, I wasn't quick, it wasn't like, yeah, whoa, that's easy. It was like, I'm gonna sit here for 10 minutes and think about that. And after 10 minutes of considering it, I decided, I told the Lord, we had this dialogue, it was all unspoken, yes, I'm going to put him inside of your heart. And so I just saw myself just kind of, and then I saw the Lord like taking me around the outside. I was walking around the outside of the Lord's heart and he, and he, he would put like a prayer of blessing in me for this guy. So I started praying for his health. And I start, Lord, bless him, strengthen his body, give him soundness of mind. I, I pray, Lord, that he would sleep sweetly. I started praying that, that that guy's house would be filled with the glory of God. Oh, I pray that, Lord, everything he puts his hand to would prosper. I pray that you would, that you would care for him. You know what he needs. I pray that you would soften his heart. I pray, Lord, and I'm walking around outside of the Lord's heart with my, my friend inside of it, and I'm just, every dimension of blessing that I could think to pray, the Lord put it in my heart to just lavish this guy with prayer. And I, I'm, something in my heart, 30 minutes in on this flight, I, surprise, surprise, Daniel's up in the air crying. 
people around me are like, this is interesting. (laughs) You okay, bro? But something that day shifted in me. I got lighter that day. I got freer that day. I got cleaner that day. I got more joy back that day. Someone who had been sort of living rent-free in my heart and in my mind for a good while, there was a release. And, and I just, what I wanna say to you is, do you know how to focus on a target in prayer? Your business that's struggling right now, and it just hadn't been the same since March of 2020 when the world just kind of turned upside down overnight. And the, 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 whole, the whole economy changed for you and the whole way the game is played changed for you. Like what if you just started focusing on that target in prayer and in the morning, like I've got a whiteboard in my study at home and a whiteboard in my office here and this is what I do now. I, I, I draw the heart of God and the thing that's vexing me, the thing that's scaring me, the thing that's concerning me, the thing that's got me angry, I draw the heart of God up there and I, put, I write it down. Write a name in there if you need to. I'm not gonna write any names here tonight and, except Lisa. Um, but... Um, <laughs> j- Put a name in there, put your issue in there, put your concern in there, and just bombard it with the blessing of God and then leave it in the heart of God. You have to learn how to quiet the mind. You have to learn how to deepen the concentration. You have to turn it over to God. I'll say it this way. The church in the United States of America has largely lost its witness because it has forgotten how to deepen its concentration in prayer. We've largely lost our witness, why? Because our one play is powering up when something scares us, when something makes us mad. We wanna fight against the devil. We wanna fight against all those, and I get it. That's a natural instinct in all of us. But I think those who learn how to wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up on wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not be faint. And the trouble is with powering up being your only play, you get really tired really fast. But when you can say, okay, Lord, here's what's scaring me. Here's what's got me angry. Here's who I'm having trouble with. And you put it in the heart of God and you walk around the issue with every dimension you can think of and you begin to speak God's blessing and God's peace and God's healing and God's wholeness. And then you leave it in the heart of God. When you're done praying, say, God, I'm leaving this with you. Now you take it and you carry it. And then you can walk away with a quiet mind and with a deepened concentration. And in a world that's lost its mind, you can preserve your humanity and you can preserve your sanity. Can you say amen tonight, church? The third thing, the third phase to living a contemplative life, and I'll get ready to close here, is growing in likeness. So you quiet the mind. You learn to pray these breath prayers all day long. Quiet the mind. You, you learn how to focus on a target in prayer by deepening your concentration and focusing and not, and not just letting everything run around as some amorphous blob of negative energy, but you learn how to take every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. Those are the first two phases. But the third phase is you grow in likeness. And I'll say it this way. You can look like somebody, but not be like them. You ever notice this? Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Martin Sheen. He, he, he's this old, uh, he's in his 90s now. He's this composed actor, 
Uh, some of you are like, no, he's not, he's an idiot. Don't talk to me about Marcin. I've listened to some podcasts with him. He's this real uh, devout Catholic guy. He's gone on a really important journey of faith through the years. He hadn't always been this way, but now he's arriving as a composed, wholesome guy. And his son, Charlie, looks a whole lot like him and is not a composed, wholesome guy running all over the globe, throwing his life away. Like, we, Lord, just save Charlie. God have mercy, save Charlie. Image, he's got the image. He does not have the likeness. And Genesis 1, 26 through 28 is this pivotal moment on this capstone of creation moment where God creates male and female in his own. God says, let us make mankind in our own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them, and then he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and go and take dominion. And, and, and it, so what, what we're supposed to do is we receive the image. We're just born with the image. Anyone who has ever walked the face of the earth, anyone who's ever been born, anyone who's ever taken a breath in their lungs is made in the image of God, which is why you just don't get to hate them. We just don't get that kind of permission. Because they're made in the image of God. You hate them, you hate God, okay? You can have difficulty, you can have disagreement, you can have frustration, you can be angry with, but, but tipping over into hatred is hating the image of God. We just don't have that permission. So you're made in the image of God, but it doesn't mean we immediately carry the likeness of God. You're made in the image, but you grow in the likeness. Do you see this? Made in the image grow in the likeness. And as we live this contemplative life of quieting the mind and deepening the concentration and learning how to pray and learning how to wait on the Lord and learning how to turn over all of our issues and and tuck them away in the heart of God and let God carry that burden, what happens is we're, we're looking for the gradual move from image to likeness. We start moving into the likeness of God, the likeness of Jesus, who on the cross, there's a reason we have a cross on top of our building. There's a reason why we have a cross in here. It's because we say, this is what God in the flesh looks like. What does God do with people who curse him? He blesses them. What does God do with the people who stab him in the side? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What does God do with the people who have failed? He stretches out his arms and opens up his heart and he opens up heaven to them. What does God do with his enemies like Judas who have 30 pieces of silver clanking around in their pockets? He brings them to the table. He feeds them the bread. He gives them the cup. God is just inexhaustibly merciful and gracious. And we're made in that image, but we have to grow into that likeness. I do not naturally forgive those people who text me F-bombs at 2 a.m. I just, I have to work on that. I have to work on that. People who talk smack about my family. People, I, I, that's, but you know what? Years into this, as I keep looking at the cross, as I keep watching Jesus, as I keep quieting my mind from the storm that's around me, as I keep deepening my concentration and tucking it away in the heart of God, what happens is you make the shift from just being made in the image of God to carrying the likeness of God. If that guy knocked on my door tonight, I promise you with everything, I would do anything in in my power to help him. That's the spirit of the Lord that does that. If it's Daniel versus the world, it's a fight. 
and I got to protect mine because it's a, it's, it's a scarcity. Meant to, there's no scarcity in the kingdom of God. If Jesus can stretch out his arms and go, Father, bless them. I love them. Dish. They know not what they do. Dish. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Dish. You're made into that image and you can grow into that likeness. But it will happen as you quiet your mind every day. You open the scriptures and you say, come Holy Spirit. I'm a scoundrel on my own. I'm an idiot on my own. I'm hateful on my own. I'm self-protectionistic on my own, but you, God, would you make me like Jesus? Would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? And something in you, your concentration deepens. In a world that's... You, you walk in the room, and you are the peace be still. That's really the goal, is to become the peace be still in the midst of the storm. That is the life God's called us to live. Friends, quiet your mind. Deepen your concentration. Tuck it away into the heart of God. And watch yourself not just be made in the image, but watch yourself take on the likeness and carry it into the world that's waiting for the church to be the church. Can you say amen tonight? Would you stand with me? Can we practice this just a little bit? We got time here. Can you put your hand on your head tonight? The head, the brain, the mind is the seat of the intellect, the thought life. Would you just begin to ask for the mind of Christ tonight? One of the one of the bits of the armor of God is the helmet of salvation. Would you ask for the helmet of salvation tonight? That your mind would be saved from foolishness. That your mind would be saved from torment. That your mind would be saved from hatred of someone who's done you wrong. I'm not saying what they did was right. I'm not excusing it. I'm saying, though, you can keep your mind in the midst of it. God, would you give us the mind of Christ? Would you put your hand on your heart right now? place of emotion and feel and love and the passions and all it's it's just the place where it all happens here above all else guard your heart for out of it flows the wellspring of life lord would you guard our hearts tonight would you heal our hearts tonight some of you have have been so broken by other people i am sorry for that I am sorry for that. I hate it. You know who else hates it? God hates it. He's sorry. And tonight he can heal you. Tonight he can restore, even if it's just a shred of trust. He can begin to restore that if you'll invite him. Would you just say, come Holy Spirit and heal my heart. Come Holy Spirit and create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit. 
Would you ask him for tenderness again? Would you ask him for innocence again? Hardness of heart is what kills us. God can do anything with a soft heart. And so just let him by his spirit re-tenderize you tonight. Let him by his spirit touch you to the deepest places. He is the one person that you can trust to address the place of wounding. Would you let him do it tonight? Lord, heal our hearts, we pray. Would you put your hand on your stomach? Head, heart, stomach, thoughts, feelings. How do you carry it? The anxieties, the stress of life. We live with such shortness of breath. We're, we're running, and I just pray tonight that the wind of God's breath would come back into you and fill up your lungs tonight, give you a deep breath. Would you begin to ask God to relax you? Even psychosomatically heal you, just touch you to the deepest places. Lord, we need you to restore us. We need you to give us faith again. We need you to give us trust again. We need you to give us hope again. God, heal us. Who else can do it? Where else are we going to go? Would you teach us how to pray, Lord? I sense just right now that, that the Lord is inviting some of us to forgive. Oh, I, I hate even saying it because it's so costly. I hate saying it because some of you are like, do you know what they did? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What the enemy loves to do is to take what they did and then compound it with bitterness and unforgiveness so that it eats you up from the inside out. And what you actually can do tonight is you have agency to begin to invite the Holy Spirit to heal you and to restore you and to free you from bitterness. And so, so maybe some of you just need to begin to release people tonight. No, no, no compulsion, no coercion. I'm not twisting anyone's arms. I will tell you the invitation that I hear the Spirit giving. So Lord, tonight we pray that forgiveness would race through this place. We pray that you would free us from all bitterness. We pray that you would heal us, Lord, heal us. I'm, I'm crying up here because I feel the groaning of the Spirit. And I'm just determined not to race through church and do just do the thing. Who wants any of that? So Holy Spirit, as you groan in us tonight, as tears flow in this room, as the ache rises up, I pray that you would wash us and cleanse us and renew us and heal us. And I'm praying, Lord, that friends tonight would receive freedom that they haven't felt in 10 years. Freedom, freedom, freedom. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free, no longer to be bound. Give us freedom. 